Before we get into today's episode, ESPN's Emmy Award-winning 30 for 30 documentary series presents the greatest mixtape ever. The story of how a series of streetball videos set to music in the 90s transformed basketball's place in the culture, defined the lives of the players who starred in them, and changed the game itself forever. Starting June 1st, stream on ESPN+. And listen to the Companion 30 for 30 podcast, a streetball mixtape. Exploring the essence of streetball through a collection of legendary stories. Listen on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, on the Woj Pod, you get the inside scoop on all the biggest NBA news. As the biggest names in the game, join Adrian Wojnarowski. In-depth conversations, breaking news reactions, and analysis, and coverage of the biggest events on the NBA calendar. That's the Woj Pod. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, guys? Welcome to a brand new episode of DC and RC. I'm Daniel Cormier. That's my man, Ryan Clark. Ryan Clark, we have a fantastic show today. We're going to talk about UFC 275, which I believe was the best card of the year. We do one round with the Sugar Sean. O'Malley, Sugar Show, comes on DC and RC. He also steps fly with us, which is very interesting. And then we always got to tap in and tap out. But RC, my boy, how you feeling? It looks like you're back home. Last week, it was a worldwide crazy tour that you were doing throughout the city, uh, the country. I mean, it was nuts watching you go from coast to coast in a matter of days. Well, listen, man, I went coast to coast and I had a good time, DC, obviously promoting the pivot, getting opportunity to do some interviews. But you had a way bigger trip, bro. Tell me about your trip to Singapore. I know it was a long trip getting there, but the UFC and all the fighters rewarded you with one of the best fights, fight nights we've seen in a long time. It was a fantastic fight night, but Ryan, come on, man. You know me. I'm from Louisiana. I'm a bit simple-minded. I didn't like you, dog. I did not like Singapore. It was too hot. And the food, bro, like the food, I'm just looking at the food, disrespecting people, Ryan. Not trying nothing. Everybody trying to feed, oh, you got to try this. You got to try this. I'm not trying anything. I'm just looking at these people like they crazy. They tried to get me to eat something called chicken rice the whole week. I didn't eat it because it looked a little bit nasty to me. So then I get on the airplane, they feed me chicken rice. It's the best thing I ever had in my entire life. It's so good. <laughs> That's what you get. I wish I ate chicken rice the whole time. I was in Singapore, dog. But beautiful, great fights. Great fights. But I, I just got to be honest. Yeah. I did not enjoy Singapore. Like I think everybody put way too much on it. So when I got there, it was no way that it could live up to it. It was just shopping and just hot as Louisiana, my brother. But I did run into a guy, though, Ryan, at the at the at the Gucci store, and the dude's like, "I listen DC and RC every week." He goes, two weeks ago you talked to Laura Cinco because Ryan has no internet." I was like, "Man, that's a damn shame." You say Ryan Clark ain't got no internet. <laughs> Hey, what that tells you, though, DC, that's a true fan, man. And he saw you. He understood I had yes. internet problems. Laura stepped in. You guys did a great <laughs> show. But as great as that show was, it wasn't like the show that was put on for the light heavyweight <sighs> championship. I mean, Glover Teixeira in his first defense. He has Yuri Prohaska. Everyone has Glover as the underdog. Glover is fighting 
a immaculate fight. Yeah, he made some mistakes, DC, but even through those mistakes, he was always able to scramble to get in mount position. He was able to land some strikes on his feet. And it looked to me that he was winning the fight in the fifth round before he was tapped by a rear naked yeah. choke. DC, tell me what the energy was like, bro, watching this fight and then seeing Yuri come up with the finish. It was crazy. Bro, the energy in that arena was out of control. Like, But honestly, Singapore was on fire the whole night. That was one aspect in which I enjoyed it. The crowd was into this one. It doesn't get much better. The crowd was like, it was white hot is what they call it in sports entertainment. These people were popping for everything. And you're right. Glover had him beat. And think back to... Mm -hmm the Minnesota miracle for the Saints. Think back to yeah. Michael Jordan hitting that shot over Byron Russell to win the game. That is essentially what that lived up to. That is what Yuri Prohachka's Hail Mary submission lives up to in terms of our sport. Because, bro, he was down with 28 seconds left in round five, losing the fight on yeah. all the judges' scorecards. One judge had it where it could have been a draw. But with Glover winning round five, Dude was 95% done with winning the championship fight. So 39-37, 38-37, and guess what? Clemens Warner, Clemens Warner had no way but to score the fifth round for Glover Teixeira. It was done. He was going to win that fight 49 or 48-47, even if he lost round five. But because he was winning round five, he was going to win 49-46 on two judges' scorecards. And 48-47 on the third, and with 28 seconds left, he got submitted. And guess what he told me in the octagon afterwards? I was gassed out. And it was because the amount of energy mm -hmm. he had to put out to try to keep the new champion off of him, once he got in the submission, it was over. It was very reminiscent of when Juliana Pena submitted Amanda Nunes because there were no hooks in. It was just a really tight squeeze by the new champ that allowed for him to take the belt off of Glover. Crazy, crazy, crazy moment. DC, round five starts, and Yuri seems gassed as well. Glover is landing bombs <laughs> on his feet, hits him with a hits him with a straight right. He backs him up. And then Glover goes to pull guard, or it looked like even was attempting a guillotine, and he doesn't get it. And I feel like that's where the fight changed, DC. Was that the wrong move? To make at that time, would you have liked to see him stand on his feet? Or was he kind of just on autopilot and that's what, what fighters like Glover do in that situation? Ryan, you know what's crazy is that if you watch round one and round two, Glover was throwing all of the strikes that he normally throws, but nothing landed because Yuri was way too mm -hmm. fast for him. But by round five, he couldn't miss him. He could not miss him. But I believe that when you are preparing for someone and you make Yuri exactly who he is, such a dominant, imposing striker, that even in those moments where that threat is like minimal now, because in round five, the threat for him getting knocked out was very minimal. You can't ignore that you have built this man up into who he is in your mind, this monster. So even though he was hurting him, he continued to shoot for takedowns, which ultimately cost him. But I mean, 17 takedowns, dude. It's so hard. I don't know if I've ever gotten more than three takedowns in an entire fight. But to have to do it 17 attempts, only complete five, is ultimately what got Glover to share. But I think that in all of this and in the way that it went down, 
it makes it difficult or you become guilty of saying what Glover should have or shouldn't or did not do mm-hmm. opposed to what Yuri did and what Yuri did that allowed for him to become the world champion on Saturday night. And in that, I feel that is where the beauty in that performance was because we learned a lot about Yuri Prohoshka. And that was the thing for me in, in watching Yuri. You could see the, the youth, right? You could see the, the explosion. You could see that the athleticism was different. But Glover still took him into deep waters in championship rounds. And that's what we want to see from our champions. We want to see guys who could be on the brink of defeat and then find ways to win the belt, find ways to win the fight. And we saw that from Yuri. We saw a little bit of the guts of a fighter, which I think is what, for a fan like me, that's what endears me to guys, to watch you go through hell yep. to win a fight, to watch Anderson Silva have to submit Chell Sonnen after being dominated to me even more than Yuri was beat in this fight against Glover Teixeira. I think when we see those things, that's what makes make us makes us love you, right? It's one thing to watch you dominate and be the more more aggressive, be the better, more skilled fighter, but to watch you in a fight that is even or you're even losing and we watch your heart and your metal win the fight for you. With that being said though, DC, after seeing him go toe-to-toe with Glover Teixeira, does Yuri Prohaska have what it takes to have a long reign atop the light heavyweight division, much like we saw with the John Jones and the Daniel Cormier eras? You know, I, I think that he's the type of guy that could bring some stability to this weight class. And even looking at that celebration, it was tremendous to watch him receive that type of adulation going home. But it's almost odd for him because he lives such a warrior's code, right? He's such a, a an enigma in the sense that this dude's got that haircut, he's a samurai, and he just was like basking in it. So I think we saw a different side to Yuri Prohoshka. Does he bring stability? I think that he can defend this title Uh I'll favor him against Jan Bohovich, and I like Jan Bohovich. But there's guys in this weight class, man, Anthony Smith, there's there's Megamed and Kalayev, those guys that would seem to be matchup issues for Yuri Prohoshka. But after Saturday, that was a nightmare matchup for him, and he navigated that, and he won the belt. So I do not question that this guy is going to be good for a long time. This is only his third UFC fight. He's only, he's only his third UFC yeah. fight, and he is now the UFC champion. So he, he he's fantastic, and I believe that he can defend his title, and I think Jan Bohovic is going to be next for him. You know, that's crazy, DC. I was thinking that while you were talking. I wanted to tee you up or ask you if Jan Bohovic should be the next guy that he fights because, to me, it's a dream fight. After seeing what Singapore was and, and kind of the energy that was in there, maybe to go to Europe and have these two guys have an opportunity to show who's the baddest man in the light heavyweight division. Both of them seemed primed for the fight. There was immediate reaction by both fighters, much like we saw with Glover uh, to share and Yuri Prohaska after he beat, after Glover beat Jan Bohovic. I think this is the fight to make. We got to see Jan come back up, become a champion, beat the style bender, and now have an opportunity to regain his title against what is going to be an exciting, an exciting champion in Yuri Prohaska. So you believe that's the fight to make or would you like to see it go somewhere else, DC? That was an absolutely fantastic moment to see the new champ leaving the octagon and then 
setting up a, a fight right away. I, I mean, I absolutely love that. I, I, I always tried to do that when I was fighting. You saw Glover do that. Everybody tries to set the next thing. This time, though, the next thing is the right thing with Jan Bohovic and that ability to go home to Europe and put on a massive fight that literally can take place in front of a stadium. So I think it will be Jan Bohovic, and I think the UFC will right away get to trying to make it happen in Europe where they can put this thing outdoors. It could look like Tyson Fury's last fight at home. Maybe not 90,000, yeah. but I am guaranteeing they could put 40,000 in, in a football stadium if these two fight. Now, here's my question. When we're watching these fights on Saturday, Valentina Shevchenko is struggling like we have yep. never seen her struggle before. Ryan, from a person from the outside, mm -hmm. when you're watching this, does this bring back the emotions of the Juliana Pena fight? Or was Amanda even, yeah. Amanda even more dominant so it was more surprising? Or, or did this Saturday you go, oh my goodness, you're like this the whole time with your hand on your head like, She's actually losing. DC, it was, to me, she's at, as dominant at her weight class as Amanda has ever been. And I, and I think that's the, the thing that made it as surprising to me as Amanda Nunes. But I believe Juliana Pena even dominated that fight more because it was earlier. When you think about the, the, the Shevchenko fight and the Zhang Weilei fight, right? If I told you on Sunday morning, Man, between those two women, one of them was taken to deep water and had to dig deep to win, and the other dominated early and won with the spinning back fist in the second round. You would have thought that those <laughs> fighters were flipped, right? You would have thought that Zhang Weilei yep. was in the, 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 the tough match with Joanna and that Shevchenko totally dominated Santos, but that didn't happen. And so when you're watching that fight mm -mm. for five rounds, and then once once uh, Santos gets the eye from the accidental headbutt, it almost looked exactly like Amanda Nunes, Juliana Pena, but it didn't go that way on the scorecards. Yep. And that's why I think sometimes when you do dominate like that, you can't let it get there, DC. Do you have any... Do you have any issues with Valentina Shevchenko being the winner of this fight? No issues with Valentina winning. Um, I thought Talia Santos won, but like I could see where Valentina won the second round. I just thought that, um, you know, I, I just thought so. Multiple judges scored the, the round. All three scored the round for Chevchenko in round two. So obviously they're not wrong, right? But we were looking at round two in a way in which she got her back taken at the very end of the round. Once again, and these judges, smart judges, were able to put the damage at the forefront <laughs> to allow for that round to be scored yeah. for the champion. But I don't think that there is a problem with it. But if if Santos would have won the fight, I would not have been mad. But the the the, the headbutt, right. it, it's what we call it, a headbutt. Yes. We're not allowed to call it that on air. It's an accidental clash of heads because honestly, that's what it is. But the headbutt saved Valentina because it did not look like anything was about to change. It looked like Santos was going to mm -hmm. go out there, take her down again, and try and kind of dominate and control her in the fourth round because she had done it every other round, and Valentina had not made the adjustments. Valentina was the one initiating those wrestling sequences. It was the craziest thing. Yeah. Every single I time they wrestled, it. she was getting out-wrestled, and she kept going there. She kept going to the wrestling because it was where she was safe. Here's where the problem is for Talia Santos, R.C., 
In a rematch, I don't think she does as well. Yeah. Because now the champ has felt her, and she is going to make the adjustments yep. to beat her. And on that night, it seemed as though she was the one that was going to become the champion and pull a major upset. Yeah, you know, and, and that's the thing that you can't miss out on those opportunities against the elite of the elite. Valentina Shevchenko was one of the greatest mixed martial artists of all time. So if you have a night where you kind of yep. have her number, that night has to be the day that you do it. And now giving it, it allowing it to get to the scorecards, Valentina being the champion, I think that hurts her in a rematch because, as you said, DC, it's different once someone that understands fighting the way that Valentina does, once she kind of has felt you, yep. can make those adjustments, now she comes back as a better fighter. The fight, DC, to me, that was the craziest and kind of showed the most athleticism, the most explosion, the most strength, was watching right, uh, Zhang right, Wei right, quick, dominate. Ryan, real quick, Ryan, Ryan, real quick, real quick, RC. I got so much crap for saying that Zhang Wei Li was such a great athlete, but everybody, dude, it was she on is, full though. display. She's a crazy athlete, right? <laughs> Bro, it, it, it was absolutely nuts to me is her quick twitch. That, that's what we call it in football, right? The ability, the ability to change directions, move, and explode at the drop of a hat. We saw that this weekend. Also, what I loved about her, though, she said before the fight, she learned some things from Henry Cejudo and that wrestling would be a huge part yep. of what she does. When you go back to the first round, we saw that. It was utilized. She didn't get it to this brutal striking match that we saw in fight one from these two. And then the spinning back fist to finish was perfectly timed, so explosive, <laughs> so powerful, and the lights went out. What was it like, DC, when you're sitting cage side and you see that happen to one of the best women's fighters of all time in Joanna, and then we watch her lay her gloves on the mat? You know, honestly, RC, the problem is it was, okay, another one, right? Because as I've said time and time again, most of our great champions go out on their back in the middle of the octagon or the boxing ring, or they go out on their stomach in the middle of the octagon or the boxing ring, knocked out or submitted. It's just the way it is. It's a story as old as time. Sometimes fighters hang around too long. I don't think that was the case for Joanna. But in Zhang Wei Li, she is just at a different stage in her career. Whereas Joanna wants to be a mother and a businesswoman, they're very close in age. But Wei Li does not have any desires mm -hmm. to do any of those other things. All she wants to be is the world champion. And it was on full display mm -hmm. on Saturday night. So it was, it was, I thought Joanna had a chance, but once I saw it, I was like, ah, oh, man, it sucks, but it's kind of like is what it is. And then she walks away. And I was so happy to be able to sit there and talk to her as she made that, that, that retirement speech. Because for what Joanna Young Jacek has been to this weight class, I don't know if anyone else has been as important or more important to a weight class. Straw weight in the UFC is the glamour division in female fighting. I don't care what you say. I know Juliana's going to charge you or, or bully you. I know Valentina is dominant. But there is no weight class that is more balanced. There is no weight class that is more recognized. And the reason that is is because of Joanna Young Jacek. Because she was so good, because she was the boogie woman, because she like brought and brought people to pay attention to what they were doing in this weight class. She's going to be sorely missed. 
Um, and we lost a great champion on Saturday. But ultimately, the story is about Zhang Wei Li and her quest to try yeah. to become the UFC champion for a second time in a fight. She may be, honestly, RC, the biggest challenger in terms of a favorite going into a fight that you've ever seen in the UFC. She's going to be a massive favorite over Carla Sparza. Yeah, and, and that's what that's what's crazy, right? We we talked about what was set in place when Carla Esparza beat Rose Nama Yunus in Phoenix. The, the 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 difference that would make in this weight class. And the only thing I could think of, DC, was the the different paths these women took after their first fight. Zhang Weilei continued to fight. She had two great fights against Rose Nama Yunus. Uh, we got to see her move around, got to see her improve. As we honor, she took some time off, and we could see that Zhang Weilei is a better fighter than she was the first time. And Joanna, it was time for her to go do other things because she had other focuses outside of the octagon, which is also okay when you've had the great career that she had. But now, DC, it's time to pay a couple of bills, man. I want you to sit back, listen to this ad read. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Guys, it's all about confidence when it comes time for sex. Am I right? Sometimes, though, stress, anxiety, or a bad day can affect your performance and ruin the fun for the both of you. BlueChew.com to the rescue. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable form and at a fraction of the cost. BlueChew's tablets help men combat all forms of ED. Because BlueChew is an online prescription service, there are no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. And it ships right to your door in a discreet package. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's online. BlueChew's medical providers work with you to find the right ingredient and strength for your prescription. You don't like swallowing pills? No problems here. BlueChew's tablets are chewable. Bluetooth tablets are made in the U.S. and they prepare and ship direct, so it's cheaper than a pharmacy. And here's a special deal for our listeners. Try Bluetooth free 
when you use our promo code DC at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code DC, to receive your first month free. All right, guys, now it's time to go one round with the Sugar Show, Sean. And guys, listen, <laughs> I can attest to this. He is one of the most intriguing fighters on the UFC roster. I sat down with this man for YouTube, one of the biggest videos that I've ever done. Sean O'Malley, my friend, how you doing over there? Can't complain. A little, uh, little over two weeks out, ready to rock, baby. You have captured the imagination of people, right? They love you. They love the fighting style. They get excited. You are now getting a top 10 opponent for the first time in your career. Is there anything different in the preparation or the feel about the fight as you're on the verge of this fight with Pedro Munoz? Absolutely nothing. It all it all feels you know all the training camps are are very similar. You know, it, I got to go in there and do what I know I'm capable of doing, and uh, you know that that's how I get the job done. So I, I prepare, you know, the same way. I learn for each camp. I learn a little bit from each fight camp, and uh, you know, I just got to go in there and do what I know I'm capable of doing, and that's put Pedro's lights out. Listen, we know what type of fighter you are. We know the type of explosion you bring to each fight. But with the contract dwindling down, you having called out the UFC and saying, you know, you'll start fighting some of these guys when you get the money that you're owed. What are you trying to go show the UFC and the rest of the world when you step into that cage with Pedro? Uh, I actually recently sat down with the UFC, um, re-signed with them. And, uh, you know, I, I had a great conversation with Sean Shelby. I, I go in there. And I say, hey, I want to make a certain. I want to make this amount of money. How do I do that? What do I need to do as a business partner to the UFC to end up making the amount of money I want to make? For me, I want to make. You know, I want to get to a point where I'm making a million dollars a fight. Obviously, I'm not there right now, and that's not what mm. I'm expecting to make against Pedro. But that's 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 where my mind's at. I want to go in there and say, hey, what do I have to do outside the UFC? Obviously, I'm doing what I need to do inside the UFC. I'm putting people's lights out. And I'm bringing eyeballs to the sport. What can I do outside the UFC to, you know, make more money? Um, but I haven't fought, you know, I haven't beat a guy in the top 10. I haven't even beat a guy in the top 15. And I'm balling out. So whatever I'm doing, it, you know, it's working. <laughs> you know, you said something that many young fighters miss. It's partner. You are a partner to the UFC. But I will tell you this, Sean, as a guy that went to the highest points in this sport. You say you want to make a meal a fight, but with the way that you fight and the way that you look and the way you capture the imagination, a million will be the baseline for you if you continue to do what you have done to this point in your career. But outside of that, right, ultimately the fight with Pedro, you got to be so well prepared because he's so tough and he's such a hardworking guy. What have you done specifically for this matchup that will allow for you to go out and look fantastic like you've done to this point? It's been a long training camp. I, I've, uh, you know, I wanted to fight, fight Pedro back in Phoenix when they, when they came to Phoenix, but uh, they said uh, Pedro. And so, you know, I've wanted to fight Pedro for, for a while now, and I've known about this fight. You know, it's going to be a long, long training camp. Um, my weight's fucking per or oops, sorry. My weight's perfect. Training camp's been going great. <laughs> Like I said, I need to go in there and just do what I know I'm capable of doing and fight my fight. And, uh, you know, Pedro's the shortest guy I've fought. I feel like I tend to do really well against, you know, shorter guys. 
Uh, I know Chael doesn't believe in a reach advantage, but I sure do. And I, I feel like I know how to use my reach. And I'm also expecting this to be a war. I'm expecting this to be a 15-minute, you know, brutal fight. I don't I don't expect it to go in there and for me to put his lights out in the first round. Will that happen? Probably. It always does. But I'm ready for 15 <laughs> Hey, I like the confidence, bro. And when you've done what you've done inside the octagon, it makes sense that you'd be that way. But you're kind of a polarizing figure in the UFC. It's either people really love you or they're on the other side. Aljermaine Sterling had some comments about you and he spoke glowingly about who you are and what you mean to the sport. How do you feel when you have a guy who's a champion come out and speak that highly of you, even though you're very early on in your UFC career? Yeah, I think anyone that's got, you know, legitimate skills as Aljo does, anyone that's a extremely high level fighter, uh, they watch what I'm doing. You know, Aljo's been to my live events. He's seen me perform live and, you know, he's not stupid. So he sees there's true skill there. I've been training for 11 years. I've been doing this for a long time. Mm. Um, you know, I, I believe I'm a vet. I've had a lot of fights. I had 14 amateur fights. I've got a good amount of pro fights. Um, you know, a lot of people, for whatever reason, think I can't grapple uh, just because I haven't really been taken down much in my fights. But, you know, I remember choking, uh, taking uh, Takanori Gomi's neck, you know, a couple of years ago back in, uh, I think it was 2000, whatever, 19 in the grappling match, you know, went nine, mm. nine minutes with Gilbert Melendez. I, I know how to grapple. I just haven't had to use it. And uh, so, so mm. I think that's where people kind of, you know, think, oh, he's a good striker, but he can't grapple. Just take him down. So. People are going to find out maybe this fight. Hopefully not. Ideally, I go in there. Pedro can't touch me, and I dot him up for 15 minutes. So we'll, we'll see how it plays out, but I'm excited. I'm very very freaking excited for this fight. <laughs> Sean, before we get to something fun, I had a question, right? This is from me to you. So when I'm calling your fights, I've, I think that you are just phenomenal. Right. But then I've made some comments about looking up at the clock and everything, and you've gone about talking about it. So for me, my question is to ask you directly, Sean, what are you looking up there for? Tell me in that moment, because I don't know what I'm missing. Right. Now, you will say you will say things like, hey, I think DC and Joe really like me because we do. We think you're phenomenal. But then you also say, but then they'll say things like he looks up at the clock. These guys are world. This guy's a world champion. I don't know why he doesn't understand that. But for the vast majority of the people that look up at that clock, they're a bit fatigued. So tell me what you're doing in there. You just like you said something like, I want to know exactly where I am. So just tell me, I'm trying to understand uh when you make that statement. Tell me, Daniel Cormier, like what you're doing out there. I'm Michael Jordan in the fourth, and there's two minutes left. I gotta know how much time there is. <laughs> I gotta know how many points I gotta score. I gotta win the game. It's always fourth quarter in, in the fight. It doesn't matter if it's first round, second round, third round. I need to know. How much time I have left with the Holly on Paiva fight? I heard him with I think less than a minute left. You know, I had a good idea of what how much time was left in that round. Do I expand? Do I do I put out this energy and try to put his lights out, or do I save it because there's only ten seconds left and I don't think I'm going to, and I I don't want to empty my tank. I still have ten minutes left. I think it's just uh you know like I said I'm very experienced. I've I have I've had a lot of fights and I you know it's fifteen minutes is a long time to fight and I want to make sure I have the energy to be able to last the entire 15 minutes. And uh, it's just, it's just uh, energy. I want to be energy sufficient in there, but that's not even, but the, hmm. that's not huh? the, the things that drives me crazy is the Cheeto Vera leg kick. How uh, a couple times you go 
And I've watched my fights back over and over and over again. And I every <laughs> yes, time yes. I hear you and Joe yes. say something, they say, I don't know why they don't kick his legs like Cheeto Vera did. It was very effective for him. Oh, God, it drives me crazy, DC. That's what drives me crazy. <laughs> I understand. The, no, leg, I understand. the leg kick he landed, the, the leg kick he landed yes. wasn't a good quality leg kick. My leg kicks I was landing on him were making him spin in circles. His big toe hit my hit the nerve when I was pulling out from a kick. That wasn't a I mean it wasn't a very effective mm-hmm. kick, but it wasn't the leg kick that you guys okay. are talking about. Just chop his legs down, chop his legs down. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so and this is this is to our this and here's here's to my defense. I can't speak for Rogan. Here's to my defense. Where else in the octagon have you shown that there's an ability to hurt you? So it's like we're telling the story, right? Yeah. So we're kind of pointing to the one area in which that something worked effectively. And then you got to remember, one time you did an interview sitting on the ground because your leg was hurt. So it's like we're thinking I'm thinking I'm calling back to these moments in the only times that I have mm. seen you compromise. That's really the only thing that we're doing. Because outside of that, you have not done anything or shown many places yeah. inside the octagon where you've struggled. So it's actually more of a compliment to Sean O'Malley opposed to he's weak in that area because the reality is that's the only thing that we have seen effectively do anything to Sean, even if you have said that it was a lucky kick. So can you understand that a little bit better now? Eh, A little bit. The one where you're talking about my my (laughs) leg was hurt. My foot was actually snapped in half. I broke my foot, had a major surgery, and it wasn't because they kicked my legs. I threw a right head kick. I landed, and right when I landed, I went to throw a right hand, and my foot snapped. I had nothing to do with my legs getting kicked. Um, And and then after the Cheeto fight, I fought Thomas Almeida, a really good Muay Thai guy, who tried to kick my legs, who did kick my legs a couple times. Didn't, wasn't very effective. Fought Chris Moutinho, who kicked my legs probably 15-plus times. And I remember in that fight, you, were, you specifically said – or no, it was in the Holly and Paiva fight. You said, I don't know why these guys don't try to kick his legs. You go look at the Thomas Almeida fight, the Chris Moutinho fight, and the Holly and Paiva mm-hmm. fight. They all they tried did. to kick my legs. And some of them, you know, some, yeah. it's a fight. They're going to kick my legs, whatever. Um, but it's, it's just, your I, bo- I, it's I just because you have a boxing seen- stance. You just have I, a boxing have, uh, stance, right? So it would seem as though that would be the path. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I could see Trust it. me, my and, man. And just, I'm I, just, I just want to say this. I just, I just want to say this. I'm not taking any shots at Sean O'Malley. I'm just trying to see because I got to tell the viewer at home, like, what's the other guy's path? So I'm really, you got me fishing a little bit. You actually kind of got me fishing out there trying to find that path because, again, <laughs> You have shown a tremendous form. I just want to make sure I tell you that because, you know, hey, I think you're a cool dude. I like you. I like the way you fight. I think yeah. you're a solid cat. But I just want to make sure that I always speak directly to you or even face-to-face, you know, like I'll tell you if there's something we can always kind of talk about it. Yeah, I appreciate that. And also, I've, I've went on record saying I couldn't commentate and do what you guys do. I think it is a crazy hard job. And we don't even – we don't even. I mean, you guys are there from the first fight to the last fight. I usually watch Hell the co-main yeah. and main events, so I can't even imagine actually having to sit there and commentate each fight, each moment. So what you guys do do is, is you know, you know, I respect that a ton. And every time I, you know, criticize your guys' commentary, it's uh, it's just, you know, it's just my opinion. And obviously, I'm the, I'm my biggest fan. So when I hear you guys say, "Oh, why don't they just do what Cheeto did?" You know, Cheeto didn't do shit. He got lucky. Kicked my nerve. You go. Uh, have you ever watched that fight back, Daniel Cormier? Have you ever watched that fight more than the first time live? I haven't. 
I have not. Will you do me I a favor? Not, no. Go watch that fight and tell me I didn't whoop his ass. I will watch it and then <laughs> hey. I will speak to you about it when I see you in July. I appreciate that. Hey, well, listen, I got to watch that fight live, but I've seen many more Sean O'Malley fights where he's the, the guy walking off and somebody else is laid in the middle of the mat. But we talked about legs. We've talked about snapping feet. But we want to talk a little bit about step and fly. Everybody knows, bro, it's not just the hair. It's not just the tats. Mm-hmm. But you stay clean. And so in step and fly, we talk about a little bit how you guys step and dress. Now, the first picture is you and my son, Jordan. I think you guys are in Old Town Scottsdale. Y'all down there with the catch from Happy Dad. I love the turtleneck with the chain, but more importantly, I love the accessory of the young Jordan Clark with you. Tell me a little bit about this outfit and maybe a little bit about the night so I can call him and make sure he act right. I can't <laughs> speak too much on the night because I don't remember much of it, but I'll tell you right there, I'm watching. I'm, I'm wearing two watches because they say you're supposed to wear one on your dominant hand. I got two dominant hands, so I'm always rocking the double watches. I'm actually sitting right now watching all my watches spin around in their little watch spinner. Uh, but yeah, dress and fly. You know, you always got to feel good because you're always trying to uh, impress the ladies. My man, well, absolutely. Sean, so let's look UFC at this outfit. 248. <laughs> This oh, dude right here. I yeah. mean, you look like right out <laughs> the seventies, just fresh scarf with the with the green jacket, the hair puffed out. <laughs> Talk to me about this Bro. look, my friend. Yeah, that's the. I mean, that was probably the last time my hair was brown. It hasn't been brown since then. That was that was two years. That was my fight, my first fight back after snapping my foot. Um, you know, that was that was an emotional fight because I hadn't fought for two years. You know, I had to come back with style, swag, and put on a beautiful first-round knockout performance. Well, listen, this next one, this is you in Phoenix for the fight night with the Michael Jackson jacket on with the broom. Tell us about (laughs) this outfit and some inspiration. I, I yeah, I remember I was just listening to a bunch of Michael Jackson. I, I'd like to I haven't been recently, but in that in that moment I was listening to a bunch of Michael Jackson shadow boxing kind of, you know, dancing, feeling myself, and I seen the the Michael Jackson replica jacket at this thrift shop and I had to had to get it, had to uh, you know, do the whole Michael Jackson look for the for the UFC Phoenix fight. It was fire. But listen, bro, not more often Ooh, mm. than you realize I made it until you're on the cover of a magazine. This you and I, Kyle, I mean, you're as colorful <laughs> as can be. Talk to me about this one right here. Yeah, that was a, that was a, a very fun shoot. I'm forgetting the guy's name. Uh, legendary photographer. We flew out to Miami, did a badass shoot on the beach, uh, on this dude's beach house. Um, but yeah, that was really cool being on the front of that uh, Icon magazine. You know, fashion something I've always kind of liked. And, you know, I think, you know, in this game, in this sport, in this world, you got to stand out if you want to make it big. I mean, you could you could play the – you don't have to stand out as much as I do. But, you know, the more you can stand out, I think, <laughs> at the end of the day, the more money you're going to make, the more people I'm going to knock out, it's going to help with that. Well, man, we appreciate you, bro. We appreciate you stepping fly. We all understand and love the fact that your game is more than just stand-up, and we can't wait to see you back in the octagon. Thanks for stopping by for one round with Sean O'Malley. And I like the fact that you and Daniel got an opportunity to talk about those issues, or not necessarily issues, but those things as men. Appreciate you, boys. Look around. Look what I'm rolling around in, too. Don't forget. Oh, Ew, I see. Look at this DC, dude. you ain't got one of Wait, those. That's your car. Don't you don't forget, have, baby. I ain't got nothing like. I don't, don't think, forget. 
Hey, I don't think I have the courage to, to drive something like that. Look at this dude. I don't think you'll. This dude showing O'Malley is looking good. We just got a new contract. I don't think you're going to be fitting that. That's not even a. I don't think you'll fit in that car. <laughs> that not at this point. Hey, I, maybe two hundred five DC could have fit in there. Maybe two hundred five <laughs> DC could have fit in there, but nah, not not the happy DC, the retired DC, Sean O'Malley, my man. Good luck <laughs> in the good luck in July, bro. And I cannot wait to see you. We'll talk to you soon. And uh, stay safe. Finish your training camp off the right way, bud. Yes, sir. We'll do. Yes, DC RC, peace, boys. Appreciate RC. you guys. All right, guys, it was so good to talk to Sean O'Malley, but it's time now to tap in and tap out. Every single week, we got to look at the things around the internet that ask you if you're going to tap in or if you're going to tap out. So, Corporate Jake, hit us. Over the last week, Bilal Muhammad and Hamzat Shemaev have gone back and forth on Twitter. They seemingly have agreed to a fight later this October in Abu Dhabi. DC, tap in, tap out, not only on Bilal versus Hamzat next, but that it's a number one contender's fight. I'm tapping in. I'm absolutely tapping in because these are two fresh challenges for the champion, Kamaru Usman, in a time where there aren't many fresh challenges. So, yes, I am tapping in on this fight. And Bilal Muhammad has earned his championship to finally stand in the spotlight against a guy like Hamza. Listen, I tap in on this as well. When you watch what he's done in his recent fights, also fighting uh, his last fight and dominating a fighter who had beat him before. Bilal Muhammad deserves this opportunity. We don't, we don't want to see Hamza Chamayev be on the shelf very long, waiting for the winner of Leon Edwards and Kamaru Usman. This is a number one contender fight, and this puts fresh blood in the octagon against the new champion. All right, guys, Habib and Tony was a fight that never happened but was scheduled numerous times. Now, both men are calling to coach the ultimate fighter against each other, and Dana White seems to be on board. RC, tap in or tap out on Habib and Tony coaching the next season of The Ultimate Fighter. So, I tap in, and here's the, here's the, here's the only reason why it may bring him out of retirement. I don't really care to see him coach because I get to watch him coach for real and be one of the best coaches in mixed martial arts. So I don't have to see him on the ultimate fighter to see that. But I do need to see Tony kind of mess with him a little bit. I need to see Tony get under his skin. I need to see him at the coach call Tony brother and all that other stuff that him and DC like to do. So if this <laughs> could possibly get Khabib back into the octagon, I'm tapped all the way in. I'm tapping in because I think it'll be good TV because every time Khabib had to uh, operate around Tony Ferguson, it was absolute pleasure to watch it. It was so fun and funny because he annoys him. Tony Ferguson annoys him and annoys him bad. So I would love to see him annoyed <laughs> over the course of six weeks on national television. It would be absolutely <laughs> tremendous. Just like Ryan, this show is tremendous every single week and one of the best times I have Every single time, every week, dude, this is one of the best and most fun things that I do. And um, I appreciate you doing this show with me, man. And it's going great. Hey, man, I love it. You know, when I walk around and people look at me and they say, DC, RC? I be like, yeah, man, that's us, that's us. It's been cool. <laughs> I've been getting asked questions about why I love MMA so much. And now I can add to that, that I get to do a show with my friend, Every single week. I look forward to seeing you soon, too, bro. I'm going to be out there in Vegas for fight yeah. week. It's going to be a great one. We get to see some great fights, but none greater than you, my man, who's a Hall of Famer now and also going to be a Hall of Fame analyst one day. My oh, man, I really appreciate it, Ryan. 
Good luck on everything you do, my brother. Hey, these fights that we spoke about today have potential to live up to what we saw last weekend. Singapore was fantastic. The next fights are going to be fantastic. UFC crazy. is just the best, in my humble opinion. Guys, until next time, YouTube, ESPN Plus. Every Tuesday, watch DC and RC. Peace.